today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. said it's not by human plans, but a birth that comes right from God. Being a practitioner of religion doesn't make you born again. You can be a priest, you can be a minister, you can be a theologian, you can be a biblical scholar. You can have all sorts of degrees behind your name, religious degrees, and it won't make you a Christian. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. In today's message from First Peter, we'll learn that being a Christian has nothing to do with human effort or planning. Pastor Ed teaches us that all the religious activity in the world and a wall full of theological degrees cannot accomplish what only the Lord can accomplish. When a person is truly born again, the Holy Spirit gives him a new heart. It is through this miraculous work a person is truly changed from the inside out. All the human effort in the world could never accomplish something so magnificent. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Years ago, my wife and I had a, a bug, a VW bug. It was yellow. We liked it. It was cold on the floor in cold days. It didn't work well with the heating. But we would like to have options. Now, you wouldn't all want to be driving a yellow bug, even though we might like Volkswagens. We value our choices. Now, partly, that's a good thing. Because we have different tastes. You wouldn't want to all eat at McDonald's. Some of you like Burger King and some like Wendy's. Not all of us like Starbucks. Some of us like Dunkin' Donuts and some don't like anything. In this pluralistic culture, though, we can't take that and apply it to our spirituality, to God's unchanging word. This culture is becoming increasingly hostile to Christianity, especially, especially historic Christianity, which claims that Jesus Christ is the truth, the way, and the life, and that there is no other way. In our pluralistic culture, they would say all religions lead to God and heaven. We can't say that. Because we can't say that, we receive persecution at times. Now, it's not as overt as in some places around the world. You may be labeled a fanatic, narrow-minded. But if you climb the ladder of the Beatitudes, at the very top, We are blessed when we are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And if you're going to live godly in Christ Jesus, Paul tells us you will experience opposition, persecution. This comes from 
our Lord. The word of God says that when we are persecuted for our faith, we are all to count it all joy. He goes on to say in his letter this, I've always wanted God to make me a godly man. I did not realize that in order to become a godly man, we need to become like steel under pressure. It is a hard process of warm and cold to make steel. The process in my life today is one day I was told I would be freed on bail and see my family and kids on Christmas. They were all lies. And the next day I'm told I will hang for my faith in Jesus. One day there is intense pains after beatings and interrogations. The next day they are nice to you and offer you candy. These hot and colds only make you a man of steel moving forward and expanding his kingdom. Now listen to this sentence. I think that all of these trials and persecutions are being recorded in heaven for me. My heart is filled with complete joy. At the thought that God looks at these trials and persecutions, Sadid said, I count it all joy. Peter was writing to a persecuted church, to people who are specifically suffering because of their faith in Christ. Because they would stand up for Christ. And he wanted them to recognize that salvation gives us an incredible hope that will carry us all through the journey of life. We have an eternal hope that will carry us all through the journey of life. I want you to look at this hope. Because in verse 3, it tells us that this hope becomes because of a new life in Christ. We have hope because of our new life in Christ. In verse 1 it reads, or verse 3 rather it reads, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That's an amazing promise. A new birth. How does it come to us? Because we've deserved it, because we've earned it, because somehow we feel that, all right, God, I'm your candidate for that new birth. No, it's because of mercy. God's compassion that moves him to action. To change our circumstances and situations. See, we were born with a sinful nature. And because of that sinful nature, we would turn again and again and again away from God. Because of that sinful nature, we could not please God. We needed a miracle. I mean, a miracle big time. And God provided it for us in the new birth. That old nature is changed and God gives us a brand new nature. Now John the Apostle talks about it in his gospel in the first chapter. 
It says, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth, resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. The new birth is a miracle. It's an act of God. It's God doing something in you that you could never do for yourself or anyone else could do for you. Parents may decide, I want my son, I want my daughter to be a believer, a Christian. So they dedicate them to the Lord. They bring them to church. They teach them to pray. And they may even teach them to tithe. But that doesn't make them a Christian. That doesn't make anyone a believer. Having the label that you attend a certain church, having a membership in a certain church, doesn't make you a believer at all. It takes an act of God. You can't pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and make yourself a Christian. It said it's not by human plans, but a birth that comes Right from God. Being a practitioner of religion doesn't make you born again. You can be a priest. You can be a minister. You can be a theologian. You can be a biblical scholar. You could have all sorts of degrees behind your name. Religious degrees. And it won't make you a Christian. Jesus spoke to a man with a lot of degrees, a religious man. He was in the right religion, the right faith, but yet he had not experienced this new birth. You know his name. It was Nicodemus. In John 3, 3, it reads, In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. A person is born again when they believe the gospel message that Jesus died, rose from the dead, and is Savior, and is Lord, and that he's coming back one day. When you believe that Jesus Christ is God, and he paid for your sins on that cross, and by believing you accept it, you embrace it, you follow him. Peter says it this way in chapter 1. For you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but an imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. The word of God has power. God says it doesn't come back void. When the spirit of God takes the word of God and convicts the heart of a person. And they respond to that conviction in repentance. They can experience the miracle of a brand new birth. They are made new on the inside, completely changed. Peter talks about being born again. John, the apostle, talks about being born again. Paul, the apostle, says we're a new creation. This all happens Through a miracle of God. Now, when you're born again, something is deposited on the inside. Something transpires deep in your heart. You are given, you are granted a living hope. Through his living hope. That's what God gives us. Through his resurrection, we have a living hope. 
In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Now, that word living implies there can be hopes that die. Some people put their hope in a relationship with someone else. And that relationship fails and their hope dies. Some put their hope in a financial plan. And that financial plan never materializes. I was reading about a man who had a million three hundred thousand dollars saved for retirement. He was in his 60s and uh, it was wiped out. He had been an employee of Enron. I mean, plans can go awry. Sometimes people put a plan in a career. That's their hope. If they have this career or that career, and suddenly that doesn't happen, or they have a dream, and if that dream is fulfilled, but sometimes the dreams are dashed on the rocks of a reality where it's just broken. Hope can die. And sometimes that hope dies before you die. There's only one place to really put our hope. It's in God. It's in God. A hope in a living Savior. Almost every single dedication we sing that song, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. We have a living hope because we have a living Savior. He is alive. He is alive. And because he is alive, we have hope for tomorrow. Now, Paul the Apostle in the book of Ephesians said it this way. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. There was a time you were separated from Christ. Excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope. And without God in the world. Someone recently said to me, how can people live without God? I just, they muddle through. But if you're a believer, if you know Christ, you need to remember that hope. That hope that's a living hope that we have through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because he lives, you will live. He was raised from the dead. That is a prophecy of your resurrection. You're going to live forever. During one of the most difficult times in the prophet's life, the nation had crumbled. He was in a time of weeping. In fact, his book was called Lamentations, Weeping. Jeremiah the prophet said this, I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. You might be going through a time of sorrow. You may be going through a time of difficulty. You may be going through a time where you feel like you're being torn apart on the inside and the outside. But you can say with Jeremiah, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. He promised to be a shepherd. He promised to be a guide. He promised to be a healer. He promised to be a savior. He promised to be a deliverer. The Lord is my inheritance. That's our hope. Our hope is in God. It's a living hope. It will not die. It cannot be killed. Someone has said it this way. 
Our hope is anchored in the past. Jesus arose. Our hope remains in the present. Jesus lives. Our hope is completed in the future. Jesus is coming again. Can I have a witness on that one? He is coming. He is returning. Our salvation gives us an eternal hope that carries us through life. Our salvation gives us an eternal hope that carries us through salvation. He gives us a brand new birth and makes us new on the inside. And that birth is a birth into a living hope that abides and resides throughout the journey. This this hope is in Christ. And He gives us something even more, even an inheritance. Wow. In verse 4, and into an inheritance that could never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. You have an inheritance. Do you know that half the people that get their inheritance spend it very, very quickly? I mean, I was reading a story about a person who just spent their inheritance 60000 in just less than a year. They just go through it. Well, God gives us an inheritance that's going to last. Uh, This inheritance, he describes it in a negative way. Here's the character of our inheritance. It never will perish. It won't spoil. It won't fade. Let me unpack that for you. The idea that it can't perish is this. It is not subject to decay. During the Great Depression... People went to sleep wealthy, woke up in poverty. It perished, lost, everything gone. Fifty years ago, when people bought a new home, it awed and wowed them. If they haven't updated it, it has this sense of perishing and decay in it. It says it will not spoil That means it's free from defilement. When the Israelites received the promised land, it says they defiled the land by their idolatry. They grieved God. And invading armies came in and plundered them and plundered the land. God is going to give you an inheritance that will never be spoiled. It will never, ever perish. It's going to last forever. It says it will not fade. The idea of that is that your inheritance is not going to diminish, it's not going to fade over time. Beauty fades with the passing of years. Strength of the strong fades with the passing of time. Remember Muhammad Ali? I'm the greatest. Well, if he got in the ring today, he wouldn't be the greatest. Our strength Our abilities, musicians, uh, famous people, uh, all of those things, they fade. We're like the flower of the field that fades. We're like the grass that withers. But our inheritance is going to last forever. He promised you and me a resurrected body. He promised us something that time would never Diminish. 
Robert Louis Stevenson in a poem. When the stars are gone, he states it really well. Listen to this poem. The stars shine over the mountains. The stars shine over the sea. The stars look up to the mighty God. The stars look down on me. The stars shall last for a million years, a million years in a day. But God and I will live and love when the stars have passed away. Your eternal, your inheritance will last forever and ever and ever and ever. See, our salvation brings us an eternal hope that carries us through the journey. The, the certainty of it, it, it's incredible. But our inheritance, someone has said, is death-proof, sin-proof, and time-proof. I love that. It's death-proof, sin-proof, and time-proof. In heaven, you're not going to need any police. In heaven, you're not going to have any funeral services. In heaven, you're not going to have to lock your doors. We probably won't have locks there. In heaven, it's going to be a perfect environment. That's the promise. That's the inheritance. That's why Sadid could say, I can't wait. That's why in the midst of a prison cell, in the midst of beatings and persecution, there's a living hope that sustains him, a living hope that keeps him. God has given us a living hope through that new birth. Hallelujah. Had a certainty of that hope. The text ends, kept in heaven for you. Paradise lost. That's the story of the garden. Adam and Eve lost what should have been, could have been ours. But then came the second Adam. The book of Romans tells us Jesus Christ. And he regained all that was lost and and more. We're going to have a paradise in heaven that will never, ever be lost. No more sin there. No more faltering. No more failing. Heaven is our destination. That's the promise. Now, Peter, one day, thinking about all that he had given to the Lord, asked this question. Peter, speaking to Jesus, says, We've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? And Jesus talks about what the 12 apostles will get. But then he goes on to talk about you and me. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 29, he says, And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. God has some investment program. He really does. It's better than Rosalind Gold. I mean, it returns far more. We have a hope that is eternal. We're so glad you joined us today for another edition of Building in Faith as Dr. Edward Jones teaches through the book of 1 Peter. 
We hope that this message series will open your eyes to the truth of how Jesus can impact your everyday life through the highs and lows, the triumphs and the trials. If you have yet to discover just how wonderful this life with Jesus can be, we'd love to tell you more. A relationship with Jesus is the greatest relationship you will ever have. Please feel free to get in contact with us by calling 845-462-5955. If you'd like to learn more about the Building in Faith radio ministry or to hear more messages from Pastor Ed, visit our website at buildinginfaithradio.com. There, you'll also find more information about Pastor Ed and the other staff members of Faith Assembly. Our church has weekly services on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and again on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And we'd be honored to have you join us if you're in the Poughkeepsie area. Each service is spent fellowshipping with other believers, learning more about our Savior, and praising Him for all He has done for us. Location information can be found at our website, buildinginfaithradio.com. We hope today's message has blessed you, and that no matter what is happening in your life right now, you're turning to Jesus for the love and guidance you need. Please join us next time on Building in Faith Radio, as Pastor Ed continues teaching through the book of 1 Peter. Your word restores and heals, transforms, rebuilds, and it makes a way that we can be building in faith, building in faith. Every Everybody wins when a leader gets better. Absolutely everyone. The stakes of leadership are sky high. Everyone has influence. Come to the Global Leadership Summit on August 10th and 11th and learn skills to help you lead transformation in your community. The summit features leaders like Bill Hybels, Sheryl Sandberg, Andy Stanley, and more. Experience the summit at Faith Assembly Casper Kill Campus, Poughkeepsie, August 10th and 11th. Register at willowcreek.com summit and use the priority code radio willowcreek.com summit.